Please be seated. As you're seated, turn in your Bible to the book of James. James is uh, towards the end of your Bible, if you're not familiar with where it is. We do have Bibles out in the foyer and encourage you to, to pick one up um, any morning that you're here worshiping with us. If you don't have one, uh, if you need to keep one, to go ahead and keep one. Uh, but it allows you to follow along as we have a, just a bunch of passages today uh, to look at. Um, we are... Uh, continue a series through the fruit of the Spirit, nine qualities uh, that are uh, part of the very nature of God, but, but nine qualities that God grows inside of his people as they follow uh, Jesus Christ. And those uh, nine qualities are listed in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read them quickly. Um, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so we see that these are nine qualities that God develops in his people. And we're kind of going one by one and considering, you know, how is it that we grow in these? You know, uh, what is it that God wants to see uh, taking place in our life? And this week we come to the uh, fruit of patience. And that's what leads us into James chapter 5. There's so many uh, Bible passages that speak about patience, and you're going to see them uh, today because we're going to go through a lot of them today. Uh, But James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, it was a good uh, passage to work through this morning. All right, James 5, starting verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Fathers, we come to your word. Humble us under your word, your perfect word, your word which guides, leads, and instructs, your word that rebukes and corrects. Father, the word that your Holy Spirit uses to get into our hearts and our conscience and our mind. Father, spiritual change is something you do. And so we ask for you to do that, even as we come to this. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, patience is probably the one we are most willing to admit we have a need of, uh, even if we say it reluctantly. In fact, maybe your spouse is here saying, oh yeah, I know he also needs her, she also needs that one. Maybe we see it in others too. But maybe you've lost your cool in traffic. Uh, Maybe you've blurted out complaining about somebody's annoying habits. Or maybe you're in really uh, despair over some bit of suffering that you're experiencing. Maybe you're waiting for something to happen and it just seems to be taking forever and your experience of it just makes it harder. There are things that test our patience all around us, and they test our patience on a daily basis. And, and patience is, is hard, but it, it's necessary. 
One of the things I think that makes it so hard is that when we are impatient, we feel that we have a, a, a righteous cause for that injustice, that is just that we're impatient. Of course, other people shouldn't be like, driving like that. Of course, my kids shouldn't be acting like this. Of course, life shouldn't be treating this way. God wouldn't do this. And so that leads us into an impatience and, and where we say something, we do something, which we know uh, we otherwise shouldn't do. I love what Thomas Akempis says, though. This is in your sidebars. He said this, that patience is the guardian of faith, the preserver of peace, the cherisher of love, the teacher of humility. Patience governs the flesh, strengthens the spirit, sweetens the temper, stifles anger, extinguishes envy, subdues pride. She bridles the tongue, restrains the hand, tramples upon temptations, endures persecutions, consummates martyrdom. When I was considering our passage today, and I was thinking about other ways that patience is expressed, I remember one of the places it shows up is right after the description of love, right? When you think of how love is described in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the very first word that's used to describe love is patience. Love is patient. Why is it the first quality? Well, I think it's because if we really love someone, if we really want their good, then we'll seek after that good no matter how long it takes. Patience is required to love the people around us. Who wants to be around that person who gets angry? Who wants to be around that person who constantly tries to get us on their agenda rather than accepting where we are? We need patience if we are going to genuinely help people move forward. We need uh, patience when it comes to conflict, right? We need to give things a time in order to work out rather than sinning against another person in anger when we're in a conflicted situation. We need patience in the habits and the weaknesses of others. I was struck, I'm just thinking about parenting. You know, what a picture of parenting. Here we have these little ones that come into our life and they're, and they're helpless and, and they're totally dependent on us. They don't know how to uh, manage themselves in, in, in groups and learn so, and social skills and those things. And just over time, as they develop those things, we get to participate with them patiently, going through with them as they grow. Now, maybe sometimes we aren't so patient. Maybe sometimes, especially as they get older, it gets more and more challenging. You know, but with that end in sight of what we want to see happen to them in love, we delight in seeing them grow up. We also, not only in relationships, but need patience in suffering, especially in the hard times of suffering. If there's a, a way of escape from suffering, we, we so often want to know what that escape is. But we need patience in it, knowing that it doesn't always go away or go away quickly. The old English word for patience in some of our Bibles would be, um, instead of say patience, it would talk about long suffering. You know, why long suffering? Because patience feels like suffering that ha happens over a long period of time, longer than we want anyways. Waiting for something feels like suffering. Patience means enduring discomfort, which may not quickly resolve. And so that's very different attitude than we hear from the world. The world is not very patient. 
It doesn't encourage us in patience. You know, we are full of get-rich-quick schemes like the lottery. Um, the world says that patience is good, you know, as long as people kind of work together with you. But when patience is tested, then we see that, um, you know, that it crumbles very quickly. We see in our world that the demand of rights and affirmation, and if people don't come in line with how we think that we should be treated, well, you know, there's punishment that happens with that. A part of impatience is to get people in line. But the biggest struggle that we have really is from within us, isn't it? You know, we want resolution to our problems quickly. We don't like uh, discomfort. We want relief now. We want relief very soon. Uh, we don't like it when other people slow down our agenda. We don't like being poor. We, we, we don't like thinking that, um, you know, working this through might take us a long time. Um, and so we quit early. We get angry. We take dangerous shortcuts, fail to listen and to heed. We fall in temptation. We have that false sense that we need to solve our problems and we must solve them now. We end up with unwise decisions and damaged relationships often in a worse spot than we started with. As John Calvin said about patience, that patience is the companion of wisdom because we know what happens when we make those hasty decisions, impatient ones. Instead of trusting that God may have something for us in the event, instead of praying, we try to control things. And that's really what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to doubt God. The devil's goal is to steer us away from God as our source of help and to look, for ourse- look to ourselves. He accuses God of being too slow, too, unliv- too unloving, too stingy, and that your rights are at stake here. Isn't that the temptation of the devil in the garden? Was that God was not only withholding something uh, from Eve, but that it was something that she could address right now. She didn't need to be patient. She didn't need to seek God. She didn't need to take time to ask. Right now, wisdom is available. And that's what the devil wants us to do, to doubt the goodness of God and his trustworthiness. So patience is, is hard. Feels like suffering. Happens over a long time. And that's where James 5, 7, and 8 comes in, the word of God. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Jumping down to verse 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. If we are going to learn to trust God, we must learn patience. If we're going to love others, we must learn patience. If we're going to stop making our lives more difficult, hurting others, giving the devil a foothold, we need to learn patience. The passage not only commands us to be patient, but it shows us how and why to be patient. That's why it's a helpful passage for us. Now, there's a context to this passage like any others. You can see it in verses 1 through 6. James writes this letter to his friends who are, they're suffering under a number of occasions. That Chapter 5 begins with identifying some of the trials they were facing. Many of the Christians, they were poorer, and the employers who owed them money, they were not paying them in a timely fashion. They were paying them as they were. There was a, number of, there was a lot of injustice that was going on. 
More than that, there was financial challenges which faced the whole area. He talks about their silver and their gold corroding. Maybe that's talking about some sort of high inflation where their, their money is worth less than it was before because the cost of goods have, has gone up so much. And so there's these trials that the people are facing there. And, and in the midst of those trials, that suffering, he says, be patient. You have to be patient in this suffering. And so we'd ask, you know, when our patience is tested, how is it that we do this? How is it we remain patient? Now, you've probably heard that patience is one of those prayer requests that God loves to answer for us. So if you say, God, teach me patience, you know, maybe within an hour, I don't know, maybe within five minutes, something is going to happen in your life that will teach you patience. Maybe the week, maybe the year, or something like that. I've even had people uh, say to me, oh, Sean, you must have recently paid for, prayed for patience, because I see all these things happening inside of, of, of your life. Well, it's just part of life in this sinful, fallen world. And what we're going to look at three areas that are really important for growing in patience. All right, so let's look at this. The first thing is patience comes from a conviction in God's promise. We see this especially in verse 7. Now, the problem that so many of us often have is that we can be patient for a little while until we just can't bear with it anymore, and then the impatience comes out, right? We're, we're patient as long as it's convenient. But the, once we're inconvenienced, then it comes out. We're patient as long as our expectations are being met. And once some schedule changes, well, then we complain. Or we stuff down our, our irritation at others. You know, we can handle this. We can handle this. It's not a big deal. Event after event until finally, like a, a shaken up can of soda, right, the top opens and we erupt in frustration. And we might have a question. How long do we need to be patient? Verse 7 answers that, but it may not be an answer that we are, uh, really want to hear. Verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until when? Until the coming of the Lord. That means however long as it takes for Jesus to come back, almost 2,000 years so far, or until you die, you need to be patient. So it could be a very long time. But in saying that we need to be patient until the coming of the Lord, it's a reminder that the Lord is coming. He is coming. God is bringing a kingdom. God is bringing a kingdom of justice and healing. Places no suffering, no sin, no evil. And so that, that bit of injustice that we've experiencing at the hands of another person, right? We can entrust that even to God in the end. Because his kingdom is coming. So a reminder for us is that we're included in his kingdom of how much forbearance that God has had on us. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Right? So we will overlook things as we interact with others. Some of that injustice we'll face at others you know, reminds us that we don't you know, we'll be patient even under that poor treatment and not seeking revenge. Romans 12, 19 through 21 is a reminder to us of something that can only happen when we're patient and trusting the Lord. 
Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, how do you do that? You know, there's patience. Patience is required knowing that the Lord is coming and waiting until uh, the coming Lord, which is sure, which is certain, when Jesus comes back. If you look back at James 5.9, it reminds us of something else. 5.9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. So let's talk about another element as we consider the coming of the Lord. That's our own judgment. It goes on to say, uh, behold, the judge is standing at the door. James reminds us that part of patience is not grumbling against others. Right? It's one of the reasons why we so often lose patience with others is because of things that are going on within us. Desires, ambitions, demands that we may have, which as other people don't meet that, you know, we get frustrated with them. And we end up sitting against them of, of a desire which maybe is uh, wrongly held by us or overly strongly held by us. Something that's become a desire has become a demand. That's what James chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 talks about. If you just flip back one chapter, you can see in verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? What causes you to lose your patience? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, you do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And so whether it's our irritation over traffic patterns, over our kids acting like kids, over the habits of our spouse, you know, these expressions of impatience may just be Expressions of our own selfish desires. So that's why we need to go back. And when those things happen, you know, Lord, you know, is it me that I need to be more concerned about rather than this person who's cut me off? Is it me I need to be concerned about rather than just my behavior, the behavior of the children right now? And if there's something we realize there is, there is a desire that has become a demand in which we're pushing on others, we need to go back to that, confess that before the Lord, repent of it, and then... You know, live in obedience and express thanks to God instead of that anger. We also need patience in the face of suffering and in the face of disappointment. The Bible tells us that at the coming of Christ, he brings healing with him. If you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 51 through 52, you know, we have this declaration of what Jesus, what happens when Jesus comes back. 51 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. When does this all happen? At the last trumpet. That's when Christ comes back until the coming of the Lord. Right? At that last trumpet. That is when we're changed. He says, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Verse 53, for the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and the mortal body must put on immortality. In the kingdom of heaven, we will not suffer as we do now. While we hope for healing now, while we hope for some relief from our disappointments, from our loneliness, 
from our sorrows, from our losses. We may not always get relief from it in this life. At some point, all of us will get some sort of sickness or pain that we will not recover from. And so patience grows as we look forward to Christ's return. And so patience is this virtue, not simply that we grin and bear under it, right? But it is, well, we're not stoics in the sense that we're just saying that we should be unemotional and weather through any trials that we may experience. I like what John Piper says, again, at one of your sidebars, he says, patience is not passive resignation, but active endurance, it's not a passive resignation and just grinning up and bearing it, but it's an act of endurance. The Bible says we're patient because we look for a great, better kingdom. We like to see some of it take place here. That we're patient because we know the hurt that's in suffering. And we want to help others have comfort in it. That we're patient because we seek a greater joy and a greater joy for others. And so we work towards that. Again, we're not patient as Stoics, but those who, who deeply love God, those who deeply love others. And this world is not our home. And knowing that it is not our home, it helps be patient until we get to our home, until we see the little manifestations of home where we live. I was thinking about camping as I was considering this. And some of us go camping for a vacation. When we go camping for a vacation, we you know, may spend some time away from our comfortable beds. And we might sleep on the ground in a sleeping bag. And we might take some time away from running water. And, and we have to you know, go to the well or go get it out of a stream or, or go to the, um, or bring it with us. You know, we take time away from electricity. You know, we have all these electrical gadgets and, you know, now we're away from those. We take time away from our, from our stoves and our ovens and instead we're cooking over a fire. You know, one of the great things about camping is that, you know, you're not there all the time, right? Eventually you're going to go home. You're going to go back to that comfortable bed. You're going to go back to that oven. You're going to go back to that stove. You know, and so is it okay to deal with these discomforts, you know, now for a period of time? Yeah, it's better than okay. It's actually even fun to go ahead and to do that for a little bit. But eventually we know that we're going to go home. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 18 reminds us of the home that we have, especially in the light of suffering. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, it says this. For this light momentary affliction, right? Notice the length of time compared with eternity, compared with the coming of the Lord, it speaks about. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, we're patient even in our suffering as we look towards the coming of the Lord because we know that he brings healing with him. Healing is in his wings. Or we can look back to James chapter 5. James chapter 5 verse 7. It draws on the example of a farmer here. So see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You know, so you know, working like a farmer teaches patience. It's a long time between the time that seed is in his hand till the fruit is in his bushel. 
And there takes time to plant it and to wait for the early rains or the late rains, whichever it is, to, to uh, water that and to see it ultimately grow. But once it grows, there is fruit, fruit that he gets to enjoy. And it's the same thing with us obeying God. While we wait for the kingdom of God, we obey him with patience. We look towards the fruit that's come. We patiently forgive, we do good, we work hard, we pray, we sow this, the ground with tears because we believe that in due time he will multiply our planting with a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times of what we have planted. I love this quote by Matthew Henry where he says, patience is a grace that grows by often using it. Patience is a grace that grows by often using it. And the farmer learns that and we learn it as we patiently obey Christ. All right, so that's our first thing. We look towards his promises and those carry us through in patience. The second thing that we want to consider is that patience comes from the belief that God has a purpose for us. God has a purpose even in suffering. We see this in verse 11. Behold, it says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. You've seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It is hard to be patient sometimes, but still there's a good reason for it. We don't always know what we're going to gain in it, but we endure knowing that God uses patience for his glory. Job is an example of that. He's a demonstration of God's compassion and mercy. Job lost everything. He lost his wealth. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost so much of what would make a person happy, and yet he did not blaspheme God as his suffering went on. He showed us that God had a purpose in this and a purpose for him. We read about it every time we read and consider the story of Job. That's why prayer is so important for us in patience. As we wait on the Lord, we need to pray. We need to say to God, God, I know you have a purpose for me in this. Help me live in a way that pleases you in this. Help this person in my life. Help me see how I can be a blessing. Maybe somebody offends or bothers us. Well, we have the chance to pray for them, to pray for that person and that God would accomplish his purposes in their life. I like this little joke. It was funny. Or I, I like this little prayer. It was a funny joke, but um, something to pray to God. It says, Dear Lord, please give me patience because if you give me strength, I'll kill the idiot. Right, sometimes we're asking for strength, but it's like, hey, maybe I just need to pray for patience and not just strength. All right. But anyways, we have to trust God to do the work in the lives of others. We still have to address the issues, but we often do it with love. We do it with kindness. We don't do it angrily, vengefully, or harshly. You know, that is patience. But we also pray for our own hearts in it. If we're patient, if we're impatient, we have the chance to ask God to give us patience. If we're stuck in traffic, we need to pray that God would give us patience to trust him with our time, to stop thinking the world needs to revolve around us. Maybe we, let some, maybe we even let somebody in ahead of us instead of pushing our way to the front. Why are, why are we so worried about being cut off, a small thing, in the relative scheme of things? Or if someone is mistreating us and doing badly to us. And we have to be patient. We can pray for that person. We can ask God to change their heart. In prayer, we realize that we have a place of witness to them. 
In prayer, we ask the Lord to help us even love the unlovable. Remember, as Job was suffering, he did not sin. Suffering is something that can catalyze sin. It can stir it up. But the Bible reminds us that our impatience does not get us out of struggles. It does not lead to the life that God has purposed for us. Job is a good example of this. In Job chapter 2, verse 9, his wife confronts him. And the way he handles it is such a testimony of steadfastness. Even as he's being tempted to be impatient. His wife says to Job in verse 9, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Right? Impatience. Impatience with suffering. Impatience with difficulty. But Job said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Impatience leads us to sin. Whether we think about taking our own life, marrying outside the Lord, getting angry, walking away from a promise, we need to remember that God has a purpose for us even in the difficulty we are facing. We don't know why it's going on. We don't know why it keeps on going so long, but we remember that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All right, so we remember, first of all, God has promise that strengthens us for patience. We remember that um, God has a purpose, so that strengthens us in patience. The third thing we want to look at is the patience of God and how the patience of God helps us in our own patience. And this is really one of the most important things to consider is the patience of God. Look at 2 Peter 3, 9. 2 Peter 3, 9. It says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's patience is seen in so, in so, so many different ways. I mean, you think of Adam and Eve sinning in the garden, the world um, coming into sin, and then God saying he's going to send a redeemer. He's going to send a savior. And then we see over thousands of years, God establishing a pattern in order to redeem people from their sin. He's patience, patiently developing his pattern according to his time. He's sovereign. I mean, he knows where history is going. Right? He's not wringing his hands, wondering what's going to happen, freaking out and saying, what a, what, if I don't do something now, it's not going to work out. But he knows where it's going. For us, as we know the patience of God, as we know his sovereignty, we recognize the wheels of history, they do move slowly. It's a call to patience for our own lives. But we certainly learn patience as we consider God's patience with us. Isn't that what 2 Peter 3.9 says? He's patient towards you, not willing that any should perish. I mean, think of if God had, had judged us when the, the, the first time that we sinned, or God had judged us the last time we sinned, or God said, well, I only give you 10 sins, and then I'm going to judge you. you know, or you know, what if God had looked at it and said, man, he just keeps doing that over and over and over. I, I just can't put up with this anymore. I'm going to judge that. You know, who of us would have had hope? But he's patient towards you. He doesn't desire you to be condemned, but patiently calling to repent, to turn to Christ and to have forgiveness. 
Listen to how the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 1.6 speaks about God's patience with him. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 1.16. He says, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ may display his perfect patience as an example of those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Actually, if you jump back to verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, the foremost, Jesus Christ may display his perfect patience as an example of those who are to believe in him for eternal life. I mean, Paul's, Paul's point is this, is if, if God can save me, he can save you. If he can save a murderer, one who's persecuted the people of God, he can save you. And we might say that about ourselves. If, if I know that God can save me through Jesus Christ with the things that I've done, that I also know he can save you. And you might say that to other people. Because you've known his forgiveness, you've known his grace, you've known his patience with you, that he's overlooked your sins and that he's put them on Jesus Christ. And so now you know life and you know his blessings. And you know if you can know that, the sinner that you are, you know that other people can know it as well. Right? He saw his faults. He knew the reason he was alive was because of God's forgiveness of him. He knew the reason he was an apostle was because of God's grace in his life. That's the, forgive, that's the forgiving grace of God. That's his, his mercy which demonstrates itself and which then reflects out from us to others as we overlook the faults of others, as we're patient with them. Or Colossians chapter two is a great passage. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter three. I'm gonna turn there, Colossians three, starting in verse 12. Read this. Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He's saying put on patience. Why put on patience? That's sort of the beginning of the sentences. You are God's chosen one. Right? He chose you. He chose to redeem you. He chose you for salvation, being patient with you in your sin as that would, uh, as he waited for that to take place. And then verse 13 goes on, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. God has been patient in forgiving your sins. Could you be patient in forgiving the sins of others? God saved us when we can never save ourselves. What mercy, what grace we've been given from him. We learn patience as we consider the life of Christ also. Consider Christ's patience. He left heaven with all of his glory, all of his wonder, the angels, streets of gold, and all of those things to come into this world. To be ignored, spit upon, disregarded. Surrounding himself with sinful human beings, you know, gathering to himself a group of disciples who are slow to understand. You can imagine his prayer life as he prayed for them, as he considered them in their weakness, praying for them to move forward just as he prays for us still. And then him patiently working towards his eventual death as he marched towards Jerusalem, as he remained in the ground for three days after patiently bearing the wrath of God for sin. 
It's a patience that Christ shows us in all that he did. And again, not stoically or, or half-heartedly, but as Hebrews 12, 2 says, is that he endured that cross with joy, knowing what he would accomplish in it. Right? The patience is for the reward. And his reward is your salvation. It's the salvation of his church. It's the salvation of a people of his very own eager to do what is good. It was so he could gain something greater. You know, that is his love. That is his love for you. That is his love for me. That is his love for his church, that he would endure that patiently. Again, patience and love so closely connected to one another when we see the life of Christ. And so you, as you work through your own call to be patient, you know, keep your eyes on Christ, on his love, his patience for you, his purpose that he has the promises that you have for your future, knowing the goodness of God. And then reflecting that out as you're called to patience in your own life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we need help with patience. Father, and you've, you've given it to us. You've given us something to look forward to in heaven. Um, you have shown us that nothing in this world happens Father, apart from your sovereign plan and that we can be patient knowing that you're doing something in this. And Father, that we see your own patience and your patience with us. And yet it remains hard. And so, Lord, as we continue to go through that, help us lift our eyes upward towards these things, that these things would be a continued help for us as we continue in the difficulties that we have, this life that we're in. And looking upward, Father, looking towards these things, we find the patience that would get us through, that we would honor you in, as we face our challenges, as we face our lives, our difficulties, our callings, as we look to you, that we'd be able to honor you um, as we do them faithfully for your glory. We ask you this, your help in these things, in Jesus' name, amen.